Support comes from Empower Missouri's Week of Action with in-person and virtual advocacy training for affordable housing, criminal justice, and food security initiatives March 25th through 28th. Registration at empowermissouri.org WOA. One of the most hotly contested contests locally is the race for St. Louis County Executive. And four Democrats have signed up to be St. Louis County's top elected leader for the next two years. One of those contenders is Jamie Tolliver. And she joins us next on the latest edition of Politically Speaking to talk about her vision for the county and how she would deal with a number of complex and vexing issues. Let's hit the music. This is the Politically Speaking podcast, the definitive show about Missouri politics. It's a little complicated in Bolivar because there is a Parsons family there. But we also knew that it was important to make sure that that we got to where we needed to go. You know if you walk in a room and you're getting ready to make a decision and everybody in the room looks like you, you need to stop. And right now what happens in the United States Senate is as critical as anywhere else in the country. I really want the state to succeed. Well, we want everybody to uh, know that we're all working together. I just worked hard to try to build my name where I didn't have the money. And welcome to Politically Speaking. I'm your host, St. Louis Public Radio political correspondent, Jason Rosenbaum. Joining me as my special guest today, one of four Democrats running for St. Louis County Executive, our guest today is... Jamie Tolliver. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, Since you have not been on the show before, I want to give you an opportunity to tell our listeners a little bit about yourself, why you got interested in politics in the first place, and the, the hardest question of all, I guess, why you're running to be St. Louis County Executive. So um, a little bit about myself. I am a single mom of two and I am heavy in education. I am currently a few weeks shy of my doctorate in education leadership and I am a preacher's kid. So I've grown up in church my entire life. So I've I've gone to um, great lengths to educate myself and my children both on the Um, the world in which we live in and the world in which they're trying to create. And I realized that as I have my circle of friends and the people that I interact with daily um, as the outreach um, associate for the St. Louis um, University City Public Library, there is, um, I talk to older people often of all different races. I, I live on the, what is now referred to as the Del Mar Divide. And University City really is a very diverse neighborhood. So I talk to people of all ages and all races. um, And it seems like the complaints or the concerns of the community seem to be the same. And I realize that in the circle of people that I talk to, that there is a large gap of things that need to be done. And I could talk about it or I can write letters about it, or I could do something about it. And so it is for that reason that I decided that if I'm going to be an activist, if I'm going to create change, why not put myself in a position where that change can be possible? Well, I wanted to dive into our first subject area, and that is the racial divide in St. Louis County. And that's a euphemism that I used to describe uh, how black and white folks in the community are divided by economics, by education, by the police services that they get, depending on where municipality they're in. I'm asking all the candidates, what would you do as county executive to bridge those divides and and make the 
disparities between white and black St. Louis County residents less less disparate, basically. So, you know, I think that if I had to give it a single word, if you had to, if I had to sum it up, the word would be listen, because I believe that, and oftentimes the people that are placed in positions of power, they feel as though they have the answer because they feel like people really just want to be told what to do. But I think part of making sure that people feel like they can trust leadership, that they can trust the police, that they can trust each other is listening to what their concerns are. What are they so afraid of? What is it? What is it that makes them feel as though they can't trust that they that there is a divide acknowledging that there is a, a divide amongst um races and to be fair it really is black and white more so than not to say that hispanics or asians are not included in that but especially in, when we're talking about um crimes against african-americans and white police officers, it becomes black and white um, for a lot of reasons. And as you've already stated, a lot of the disparities in health, in education, in the redlining districts, things of things of that nature, um, economically, um, honestly, even in political power, there's a racial divide um, where and how things are dispersed. So I think that as St. Louis County Executive, the thing to do would be to literally go out and ask, what is it that you need? What is it that you, what is it that you're seeking? How will you feel safest? Rather than me just giving you what I think will make you feel safe, because I don't live I don't live where everybody lives. I do live amongst people, and I do hear I hear what I hear what the people around me are saying. But what what is concerning people in University City or in North or North County are not the same concerns that they have in West County or South County. So having a blanket answer. Um, is not going to be a um, all-inclusive solution for anybody. One of the things that I've heard from people that live in especially unincorporated North St. Louis County, which St. Louis County is responsible for, they're responsible for the streets, they're responsible for government services, and it's predominantly it's a predominantly black area now. There's just been widespread criticism of a lack of attention. What would you do as county executive to reverse that criticism? You mentioned listening. But do you think that there needs to be a, like a more concerted effort from county government to not only listen, but to follow through on residential concerns about governmental services there? Absolutely. I definitely think that once once you've heard the cries of a particular group of people, um, I think that giving them a progress report and telling them, hey, this is what we're going to do. This is what we're trying to do. These are the steps that it's going to take. And this is what step we're on. And you can help us run this process more smoothly and we can get through it a lot quicker if you all can do this. Because I believe that people vote and they think that, okay, well, they dust their hands off and it's like, well, I guess my job is done. But there are things that people can still do you can you can write that's why every time there's a protest or a rally you get a lot of emails from nancy pelosi or joe biden or barack obama saying write a letter to your to your congressman write a letter to your statesman call your senators call your call your um clergyman and so i think that if you if you ask people what it is that they are seeking and then say okay and you give them the pros and cons of getting what they want. Like sometimes people ask for things and they, they're not 100% sure of what they just asked for. But I think that once, once you sit down and you have a um, concerted effort drawn up, then you can say, okay, well, 
this is how that's going to happen. It could take X, Y, and Z amount of time to do it. You might not see it in the next two years. And if people know that, then they know that they're working on something. But when you say, okay, we'll get it done. And then 10 years later, they're still work. They're, they're still looking for it. Like how they're talking about new, uh, the Jamestown mall property. They, I've been in meetings and they're saying they've been asking for improvements to that area for, for years. And at this point, they haven't even been given a progress report as to why something hasn't been done or where that is in the budget or where that is on the to-do list. So I think that a lot of times it's, it's really just giving a progress report of this is what it's going to take to get that done because people, people are more contented understanding the process. I think that the protests over George Floyd's death and Breonna Taylor's death has a special, especially big pertinence in St. Louis County because this is the place where Michael Brown was killed almost six years ago, and where the police accountability movement gained a lot of international attention. The St. Louis County Executive does not have direct control over the St. Louis County Police Department, but they do appoint the police board, and they can provide his or her suggestions to that police board to to, to carry out. What would you want the St. Louis County Police Department to change in the midst of all these protests? Um, I think one of the biggest things is making sure that where the police forces are, that they represent the group that they are protecting and serving. And I know that it has been um, expressed to me by several people when I'm out on the campaign trail that the police should live in the areas that they are policing because then you then you're very well aware of who it is that you're trying to help and who it is that who it is that um, need your concerns and um, need your protection and why because it's as important to you as it is to them because you are because you are a part of that community i also think that a police um, a civilian police committee review board would also be of some assistance um, because that makes it so that there is someone who is not part of the um, police force political um, task force if you will to say, okay, well, explain this to me. How, how does this law work? Because, because the police aren't necessarily out here to educate the community on how policing works. Because if you wanted to know how policing works, you would become a police officer. However, when there are, when there are laws that are applied to one group of people and not the other, and you, want, you want to know why. Um, and I think that um, by talking, by talking with, with police officers, um, and talking with the police chiefs and having having that that civilian, I guess, in betweener, that makes it so that okay, the community the community feels like okay, we are we are being serviced appropriately. I also think that the um, the police union should be a part of um, police meetings, um, so that so that we are so that people truly understand these um, the. The, the laws that protect police officers and why because sometimes sometimes um, they're just they're just not fair and it makes it so that it's hard to go against what police are doing and but to the community very much in the Mike Brown case we see inaction we see we see that the police are getting away with with murder and whether it's on tape or not and so I think that ha- having again an education around how policing works, um, and making sure that as St. Louis County Executive that I, there are things in place 
to make sure that the civilians have a, um, a sense of trust and security reignited in the police because especially with African-American, the history that we have with police officers is not, um, it's not a good one, especially when you look at the history of policing in general, starting off as slave catchers. So I think that making sure education is, is, that, is an invaluable resource um, in any sort of bridging the gap or um, mending the hurts of, of any community. I'm not sure if you've caught uh, the new police chief, Mary Barton's comment about systemic racism within the St. Louis County Police Department. But if you have, I want you to respond to what she said, because she has since uh, kind of walked back on those comments. And what pressure would you put on St. Louis County leadership to make sure that there is not tangible systemic racism in that department? Um, I think one of the biggest things is making sure that where the police forces are, that they represent the group that they are protecting and serving. And I know that it has been um, expressed to me by several people when I'm out on the campaign trail that the police should live in the areas that they are policing because then you then you're very well aware of who it is that you're trying to help and who it is that who it is that um, need your concerns and um, need your protection and why because it's as important to you as it is to them because you are because you are a part of that community i also think that a police um, a civilian police committee review board would also be of some assistance um, because that makes it so that there is someone who is not part of the um, police force political um, task force if you will to say, okay, well, explain this to me. How, how does this law work? Because, because the police aren't necessarily out here to educate the community on how policing works. Because if you wanted to know how policing works, you would become a police officer. However, when there are, when there are laws that are applied to one group of people and not the other, and you, want, you want to know why. Um, and I think that um, by, talking, by talking with, with police officers, um, and talking with the police chiefs and having having that that civilian I guess in betweener that makes it so that okay the community the community feels like okay we are we are being serviced appropriately. I also think that the um, the police union should be a part of um, police meetings um, so that so that we are so that people truly understand these um, the 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 laws that protect police officers and why because sometimes sometimes um they're just they're just not fair and it makes it so that it's hard to go against what police are doing and but to the community very much in the mike brown case we see inaction we see we see that the police are getting away with with murder and whether it's on tape or not and so i think that having again an education around how policing works um, and making sure that as St. Louis County Executive that I, there are things in place to make sure that the civilians have a, um, a sense of trust and security reignited in the police because especially with African-American, the history that we have with police officers is not, um, 
it's not a good one, especially when you look at the history of policing in general, starting off as slave catchers. So I think that making sure education is is that is an invaluable resource um, in any sort of bridging the gap or um, mending the hurts of of any community. I want to move on to the county's response to COVID-19. I'll ask you very simply, what have you thought of County Executive Page's response to coronavirus? I've answered this question a lot. I personally would not have opened up St. Louis County in the way in which it was opened. We, as St. Louis County, for the entire state of Missouri, we held over 50% of the deaths. And for a county that is over 900 thousand people the fact that the fact that we were carrying such such a weight for an entire state my mind says that they there should have been it should have been better um it should not have been just kind of hey so now we're opening i felt like especially for the businesses that were reopening there should have been more protections there should have been um there should have been more policies and things in place to say, okay, these are the things that need to be done. And I definitely believe that in healthcare, the fact that testing was not necessarily, it's still not really a thing right now. There's, there's, still, there's still no cure, there's still no vaccine, there's still, there's still no actual healthcare um, protections. I think that lifting it so that, um, making it so that places of employment or will can't be sued when people come back to work. That was that's that's not okay. Um, but I think that the fact that every time we put ourselves in positions where we have to be in close quarters with people because people have to live. There are there are millions of people that are out of work right now. But I think that when when we go back to work, we put ourselves at greater risk. And then we're how how are we then being protected? Because I think that. The fact that the healthcare system is overworked and you have people that are going to work because they feel they feel obligated to go to work. I think that we could have we could have prepared St. Louis County residents much better to say, okay, because I understand the phases. I, I get that. That may, that part makes sense. But my mind says, where where were the preparations? There were several jobs. Like I know um, they were saying that there was a back order on masks. There were a back back order on gloves. There's a back order on hand sanitizer. So there there weren't even the the um, meager accommodations made. And I feel like places like barbershops and salons that really should not have been the first few places to open. So I believe that the county started phase the phase of reopening in the middle of May. I just want to make sure I'm clear on this. You would have preferred not to open as soon. You probably would want to start start of. You probably would have wanted to see the phase start like right around now or a week from now. When we're recording this on June twenty fourth, is that fair to say, or am I overstating it? I, I think so, simply because I don't. I don't think that we were at a. I don't feel like we were at a place where the numbers had even began to decline in any one area. And so already being, I believe at at the time that we reopened, we were at 56% of the overall deaths for the entire state of Missouri. And it makes it so that people are afraid to just be outside. But when you open up a job and you make it so that, okay, well, you, you can go back to work. It makes it so that people are now like, okay, do I go to work? Or do I or do I go and file for unemployment because I can't 
it's one thing when you can't go to work because work is not open. It's, it's something completely different when you have to go to work because now it is available to be open. So I think that there definitely should have been, it should have been at a point where we were declining significantly, um, which would be, well, I would say about now, but we've been open for a while. So it's more like it's steady than declining. What did you think of the move by the St. Louis County Council to give County Executive Page power to decide where the, the, the CARES Act money goes? Um, I can't I can't say that I felt like that was the most responsible thing only because there was no there was no actual stated plan as to where it was going to go. Like I was I was told um, in another interview that um, that he said that most of the most of the CARES Act went to the healthcare in North County. However, talking to several aldermen, councilmen, and mayors in North County, they and even watching the news, they have not yet seen it. So if it's if it's there, we're kind of going off of the word um, that as, as the St. Louis County um, government is telling us. But there was no there was no plan as to let's say what we're doing with this money. So that was a that was an awful lot of money. Um, and not necessarily knowing where it's going and not having anything sent out to residents in any way, shape, form, or fashion other than going to the county website, um, which not everybody has access to. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that it could have, I think that it could have been done better. I would say half or yeah, there should have been some sort of checks and balances process that was done. Yeah, my understanding now is that there is testing available at the county health headquarters in Berkeley, and the county executive has talked about that publicly. But I just want to make sure I understand. You think that there should have been a more concerted public information effort to say that testing services like that are available. Is that fair to say? Yes, sir. We'll be right back after this quick break with Democratic County Executive Candidate Jamie Tolliver. St. Louis Public Radio's The Gateway gives you the day's news first thing every weekday morning. From the ever-evolving relationship between St. Louis City and County to developments in the Missouri and Illinois state capitals and reports from our correspondents in Rolla and the Metro East, we put it all in a roughly 10-minute package with clarity and context. Download The Gateway wherever you get podcasts. And we're back with Jamie Tolliver, a Democratic candidate for St. Louis County Executive on Politically Speaking. I want to give you kind of a free space to talk about your other plans beyond COVID and beyond policing and beyond racial disparities that you would want to bring to the county executive's office. What would be kind of some other things that you feel need to be done in that very powerful post? So there are, I have six platforms um, under my candidacy. Um, One of the big ones, and I've I've mentioned this um, in times previous, is education. I think that, I think that a lot of what is going on is, um, is an educational disparity. The idea is that diversity is not, is not taught in schools. Um, We we teach, um, we teach these same types of, of lessons, and yet we're teaching 1940s education using 2020 technology. There's definitely a way in which we can, we can do better for our children. I think the idea is that, that children grow up 
and that racial divide um, exists is because that we don't know enough about each other. Um, I think that also when we talk about um, when we talk about elderly care, the fact that we should we should be more we should protect our the elderly more because they are susceptible in terms of health care, in terms of financial security, in terms of being exploited. Um, those things should happen. When we talk about the environment things, I did not realize that um, that environmental racism is an actual thing. But when you have buildings that are being torn down or reconstructed in um, impoverished or um, lower socioeconomic communities, you're putting a ton of things into the air, like asbestos and spores and lead that sit in the air in those communities where they are already susceptible to bronchitis or asthma or other such things. And in those areas, they don't have they don't have reasonable access to healthcare. Um, they don't have reasonable access to good quality um, produce and things in their in their supermarkets. Um, when you talk about things like um, the justice, the um, socioeconomics, and the justice as it relates to to diversity in all areas. Um, a lot of what is happening right now with these protests and these marches, a lot of those things, they are kind of rooted in this idea of some people get more than what other people get. And that and and there's no real explanation as to why so when you talk about people that live in the urban or inner city uh, inner inner um inner city type areas of the county like um olive and um like on the other side of the delmar divide or like north county out by the jamestown area you realize that the quality of things that are being done and the pace at which they're being done is significantly different for those groups than they are in the other ones um and you talk about um the homeless rate that is that is actually increasing to a degree and I, I can't imagine that it's going to get much better um, I think that there are things that can absolutely be done to ensure that they can become working parts of the community again so that people aren't um, living on the street so that youth aren't living on the street so that they aren't um, so that they don't become a part of the prison system or they become um, part of the the morgue um, I think that there are um, there are definitely lots of things that can be done that, um, and with health being as big as it is, I think that is probably one of the things that will be tackled first um, because I think that we we owe, we owe so much to the doctors and nurses that are working through COVID, but it's like where I think that they are one of the other than the the budget for the St. Louis County government in general, I think that they're one of the few systems that are going to probably take um, the most to rebound from all of this because it's still ongoing. They haven't figured it out in Washington. I don't, I don't presume that St. Louis County is gonna be the first to figure it out. What would be kind of your strategy to deal with the St. Louis County Council? I ask that because other county executives have come in with pretty grand plans and desires to work with the council that has to follow through with those plans. But going back to even Charlie Dooley 10 years ago, they've run into brick walls with the county council when they run into you know personality disagreements or ideological disagreements. What would be your strategy to kind of avoid that type of scenario? 
I think the best way to do that is to um, to have a to have something of a almost like a contract of this is this is what we are trying to accomplish and have it outlined. And I think that in order in order for people to truly see certain things, sometimes it has to be written out first. So you, if you can if you can write out your very succinct plan on on anything, let's let's say we're talking about uh, the county budget, you can say that these are the things that we the council feel like this is going to be done, and you can and you can have them write out what it is they think so that the meetings go a lot smoother, a lot calmer, and then. In the event you put thing you put things up for a vote, but I definitely think that diversifying what the county looks like means that everybody has everybody has a voice. And at the end, if it's not equitable, it's not it's not it's not right. And we and we start we start over again. Yes, it might delay the process a little bit, but I definitely believe that as adults who seek um, to seek for change, to seek for progress, I think that it would absolutely go. A lot smoother if everybody starts off on the same page not their own page not their not not where they want to be as as individuals but if we can all sit and and have um and have a a like mind as that this is the end goal so whatever we're doing if if, it, if we can figure out a way to make sure that we are all going towards the same end goal i think that i think that the meetings would go a lot smoother than they have been one of the things that if you were elected county executive, you may have to face once again that other county executives have faced is the the prospect of St. Louis City becoming part of St. Louis County somehow. City County merger, it's what it's called, city county unification. Obviously, the Better Together plan failed miserably, but uh, there, there's still kind of a desire to continue the conversation about having the city and the county be, be joined in some way. I w- would like to give you the opportunity, because I'm asking all the candidates about this, what your philosophy on that issue is. I do not think that the city and county should merge at this time. Let, I will start there. Um, but I do believe that it is a good idea for the city and the county to be in, in consistent communications. So on the day that in which they do decide to merge, it's not like, oh, well, we don't do things that way or we never did things that way. So it's not foreign. If we can communicate with each other because they are doing some things right that we might not be doing or we could be doing some things right that they're not quite doing. So I'm not, we're all considered St. Louis. I mean, you can say city, you can say county, but we're all St. Louis to the to the greater U.S. of A. So I think that if we were better in communication with them, um, I think that it would actually help. And it doesn't mean that we that we're going to have a city county merger tomorrow, but it does make so that the transition can be somewhat seamless in the future whenever that day does come because we will know so much more about the city than we do now so because i believe that honestly is um more segregation within the state um to say well that's how the city does that's not how we do it here well again to the greater majority of people who don't actually live here we are all one we are all one people and honestly we're one nation under god indivisible so i'm not really sure um, at what point um, we wouldn't work with them, even if we're not, even if we're not considering a merger for another 10, 20 years, I think that it, it would be very helpful to know what our sister, what, what our sister city is doing. Well, let's talk about the campaign. As it was kind of alluded to before, uh, you're one of three other candidates that are running against County Executive Page. Um, 
County Executive Page has never run countywide before, though he has run for statewide office before. But he has the power of the fact that he's currently county executive. Uh, Mark Monavani and Jake Zimmerman have run countywide before. And all three of these candidates have access to a lot of money and a lot of like well-connected political organizations. How are you as a relative political newcomer uh, looking at the, this field? And what do you think will be your message to Democratic voters that they should choose you instead of the other three candidates? I think that a lot of my political um, platform is the idea of I am not coming I'm not coming from a lot of money. I'm not saying that that is necessarily a complete positive, but the idea is that when you look at the over 900,000 people in the, in the um, county, you realize that not all of them are coming from money. They are coming from places that I've literally been. I have been in education. I've been in, I've been in food service. I've been in customer service. I've been in, um, I've been in real estate. I've been in healthcare. Like I've been, I feel like I represent a lot of the people in the county. And I think that when you know that someone who has been where you've been, who's done what you've done, who has lived, who lives and currently still does live where you live, then you realize that you have a voice, you have a seat at the table that that is like you, somebody gets it. Like if I, if I were, if I came from money and all I knew was money and, and I lived in a gated community and I would only know the concerns of my neighbors. And I feel like I know the concerns of the county. I feel like I am relatable. Um, I, I, I feel as though I, I have something that the other candidates don't have in that it's that I have a, even though I am definitely the youngest one in, in the, in the race, I have a lived experience that I can't, that I feel like is completely uncontested as an African-American and as a female, there are some, there are some things and some places that, it, that I have been through or that I have seen or people that I've talked to conversations that I've had that I feel as though, um, I don't think that the, I do not believe that the other candidates in the race can say that they have had or will have. I think that a big determining factor for Democratic voters is whether they think that County Executive Page has done a good job in the roughly year or so in office. If you're going to a voter and they're asking you, like, why should I vote for you instead of the current person? What your what message would you bring to them that the current administration isn't working for them typically what i what i say out on the on the trail is that idea if if you are okay with the current system then vote for the current system but if you want change if you want progression if you want things to be done differently then i would say vote for me because i feel as though i have not i have not been bought out or auctioned off or otherwise sold to any organization or any group of people such that I don't owe anybody any favors. I go I go into the office a complete blank slate seeking to serve the people. I don't I don't serve Big Pharma. I don't serve General Motors. I don't I don't serve the police union. I serve the the residents of the county. And I feel like if you want someone who is going to put your put your best interest and and at heart and and not say well i can't do that i won't and and not even try then then i would say vote for me i i would not say i would just say if you want what you've always been getting 
for years and years and years, then vote for someone else. But if you want change, if you want progress, if you want to see something different, vote for me. Well, thank you so much for coming on this program. For all of our stories, stlpublicradio.org. You can follow me on Twitter at jrosenbaum. How could people find out more about your campaign? And I'll also give you a chance to talk about any social media that you're on as well. So if you want to find out more about me, you can go to my website at jamietoliver4exec.org. That's Jamie, J-A-M-I-E, Tolliver, T-O-L-L-I-V-E-R, the number four, exec.org. On my website, you'll find more information about my platform and all of my social media accounts to include Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and all of the contact information about how to donate and, and volunteer. Thank you very much. And until next time, so long. If you have a smart speaker, you have access to the entire world of NPR and St. Louis Public Radio. All the latest news and all the captivating stories. Activate our voices with yours by telling your smart speaker to play St. Louis Public Radio.